looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at CottageBlogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And as ever, I'm delighted to be back with you once again after last week's debacle. I love that word. Debacle. When I recorded an interview with Sue Jones and it didn't record, I have found what was the problem was. Uh, it was a problem with the SD card. When I checked the SD card, or tried to put it back in to another device. A bit fell off it. So... Although it was showing that it was recording, nothing actually got onto the uh, onto the card. I'm glad I found what the problem was because I know I would have started every new interview with a worry that it wasn't going to record. Hopefully, that was it and uh, and I can move on. Today I'm bringing to you a really special guest and you've heard her before. It's April Salter. She is the chair of Avroa. She's also the founder of the Say No to VRBO Service Fees Group. And she founded that with, along with Annie Switzer a number of years ago. That group goes from strength to strength. And of course, it's gone way, way beyond what it was founded to do, which was to talk about service fees. And now it is such a fantastic support group for owners and managers alike. I learn all the time. And I learn something new every day. And quite often it's from that, that group that somebody will post a question and so many people come back with so many responses and I will glean something that I had no idea about. For those people who are listening to this podcast, who also contribute to the Say No group, thank you. I would like to give you my heartfelt thanks for the time you spend contributing and sharing your mass of knowledge to everybody. It's not self-serving what you guys are doing. And, and I really appreciate it. And I know other people do as well. I just wanted to mention that. But I wanted to talk to April for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm sure most of you are aware that April had a number of properties, rental properties in Mexico Beach which was devastated by Hurricane Michael in October last year. And April has spent the last six or seven months in Mexico Beach helping the town recover. Again, not not being self-serving and looking after her own interests, but she's been fully absorbed and immersed in the recovery process. And I wanted to talk to her about that. I wanted to uh, I want to ask her about how she's doing, how the properties are doing, how her business is doing, and and what's the way forward, not only for her, but for other owners and managers in Mexico Beach. And secondly, we're going to talk about Avroa, because while April has been so immersed in the recovery process in Mexico Beach, Avroa has been going quietly, quietly along in the background. But Nothing much has really happened that is new. And I know that April is very, very keen to get Avroa back on track and to start bringing in 
more members because, as she will tell you, it's an association that is sorely needed for this industry, for the independent owners and the small managers in this industry. There's nothing out there for us. I'm going to talk to April about Avroa and what we can all do to build this, what, what is going to be, I know, a great association. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with April Salter. So I'm delighted to have with me today April Salter, who is the founder of Say No to VRBO Service Fees Group. She's the chair of Avroa. She runs her own PR company called Salter Mitchell. And it's just an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, April. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I'm really glad to be here. Well, we've, we, we, we talk off and on over the months and you have been through such a tough time over the last six or seven months. And I just wanted to go back on that, if you don't mind, and just talk about what happened with Hurricane Michael in Mexico Beach and, and what happened afterwards. Because you were enjoying a visit to Italy, right? To the Vacation Rental World Summit and you were having some vacation time last October. What happened? How did you hear about the hurricane at that time? Well, you know, I couldn't, we could not have been having a more um, joyful experience. Uh, We had attended the Vacation Rental World Summit in Lake Como. And uh, as we got on the the train heading towards Rome, we heard that there was a storm in the Gulf of Mexico and that it looked like it might hit uh, the Northwest Florida area. And of course, our vacation rentals, we have uh, seven vacation rentals all located in Mexico Beach. Uh, in the northwest part of Florida. So we got on the train and um, thought, huh, isn't that interesting? We better, you know, have somebody remove our patio furniture and so forth, but let's head on to Rome. And by the time we arrived in Rome, six hours, four, five hours later, and we checked into our hotel, which was an absolute lovely hotel right on the Spanish steps, and we were so excited about being there. And we turned on the television and saw that not only had it increased from a Category 2 storm, it was becoming a strong 3 with the potential to become a 4 very quickly. And needless to say, at that point, um, the hurricane fully had our attention. And we were thankful that we could, we could watch the news coverage going on on uh, the Weather Channel and on Fox News and were able to get news. Of course, we were then communicating with people on Facebook and and so forth and found that uh, this was quite a serious storm headed our way. And as we all now know, um, the storm did come ashore on October the 10th of 2019. They have now just upgraded it to a Category 5, which I think all of us knew it was a Cat 5, um, but the Weather Service has just upgraded that. And you know, people use the words uh, devastating, heartbreaking when they describe the impacts of a hurricane. And I can tell you that those words are, are insufficient to describe what has happened to Mexico Beach and to um, a large swath of Northwest Florida. Um, we've had billions of dollars of damage to our timber industry. M- Mexico Beach, um, it was as if the a tornado sat over Mexico Beach for about 30 minutes and just pummeled a particular sections of the beach. So Mexico Beach was known for its kind of old Florida charm. Um, and much of that was because we had cinder block homes located close to the beach. Um, and those homes are now gone. So 
there, we, we do have, uh, we lost about 50% of the structures in Mexico Beach. Most of them, though, were on the beach. They were the ones that you would see from the highway as you were driving in. And so it looks worse than maybe it is, but it's pretty bad. So we have been working very hard as a community to recover. We are making great progress, but it, it will be you know, several years before the community that we know, know and love is, is back up on its feet. Uh, this truly brought us to our knees and um, it's been a real challenge, you know, both from the vacation rental standpoint, but probably more so uh, just to see the community suffer so much. So, so what date were you able to get back? Did you come back early from Italy? Or did oh, you- yes. Uh, we immedi- immediately, when we saw that it was, you know, going to hit Mexico Beach, we called and changed our travel plans. You know, while we were there, we could hardly leave our hotel room. We would rush out to grab a meal and come back and watch the news coverage. And it, we saw immediately that it was it was devastating. So we were back home by, by Friday, October 13th or 12th. And I was in Mexico Beach on that Saturday and actually began to help with the recovery effort. I've got to ask this question because we all see the pictures. You know, we, we saw the devastation. Where do you start, April? What do people do? I, I can't imagine how everybody feels to just look around at that utter devastation and think, well, how do we get this community back together again? Yeah. And, you know, I I don't want this to be a Debbie Downer kind of uh, interview here because um, we're talking about a very serious hurricane, but there were many upsides to what has happened with the community. So, you know, I would say that you go through the five stages of grief, very much so. And for the first, I would say, four months, I think all of us were working as hard as we possibly could to get cleaned up, to get the debris off the streets, to get your the house, the lots cleared off, to try to get the planning together. And, and I was fortunate uh, to be a part of the, the city's recovery team. Um, I wound up helping with the public information and business, uh, trying to help the businesses get back up and running and trying to be an advocate for them with federal agencies. But, you know, the, the, the biggest part of a hurricane like this is the debris cleanup. So our little town of Mexico Beach has an annual budget of just under $2 million. And the cost to clean up the debris in our town, which is only about three miles long by a mile and a half deep, the debris cleanup costs are going to be about $60 million. And that is where the federal government uh, can come in and be extremely helpful. And, and I would say that they, they really have been true partners with Mexico Beach and have, have helped us, as has Florida's governor, who was there immediately upon his election and has stood with us ever since. So the volunteer organizations that come out Um, are incredible. They help with everything from the immediate aftermath to much of the long-term recovery. But it is, it's a very emotional process for Mm -hmm. people to go through. The people that live there that have to be in that area every single day, I think it's extremely challenging for them because they never get a break. I, I live in Tallahassee, which is about 90 miles away. And while I was driving back and forth every single day for the first four months, at least I had a home Um, with a comfortable bed and a nice hot shower to go to every day, whereas um, many of these folks were really struggling with leaves, uh, with roofs that have tarps on them, and um, just a very unstable situation. So 
there's a lot of a lot of challenges related to it. Insurance is a huge issue and, and something I would love to talk to people about because I have learned quite a bit about insurance over the last six months. Things that I had no idea were in my policy or were not in my policy that I should have known. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so anyway, it is a, it's getting started is it, the question is, you know, how do you stop and how do you rest along the way? Because you think initially that if we all work really, really hard and we just commit ourselves to doing everything we need to do, then we will get through this and we'll be back up and running before you know it. Uh, because I walked into some of my condos and it was like nothing had happened. Oh, but the carpet's a little bit wet, only to find out later that we had six inches of water in that unit. It receded quickly, but we did have six inches and that has caused you know massive reconstruction efforts. And also the damage to the infrastructure of the city, which we had to completely rebuild the electric, water and sewer, and then the infrastructure inside the condominium complexes where we were. So... I could talk about this for a long time, <laughs> but I, and, and it's definitely not all, it's not all bad news. Um, one of the things that has been the best about it is that we went from a community of vacation rental owners and sort of this locals versus part-time owner mentality to a community that is working together, that knows each other that is celebrating the successes that people are having, sharing information, meeting at sunset for, you know, barbecues and and a a nice beer to, so they were really getting to know each other in a way that we never did before. We just simply passed each other in the supermarket and didn't know whether that person next to us was a, an owner or a renter. Mm -hmm. So it's really brought the community together. I mean that that is wonderful when when you can talk about something that's really positive that some that, that comes out of a devastation like that that is wonderful and I do want to go on and talk about insurance because I think that's hugely important it just seems that weather events with the fires in California we had massive fire up here in Ontario last year that went on for weeks and weeks which was un, you know unheard of and f- Flooding. I mean, we are currently dealing with all sorts of flooding in our area, and I have houses around me that are completely flooded. So, think all these things are happening. It just seems to be more and more these days. Where, and I'm not going to go into climate change or anything like that. It just seems that we are seeing more and more devastating weather events, and it makes insurance such a huge topic. And of course, any any form of disaster management as well. So I want to come back to that in a second. But so, so you had seven properties. Uh, and I, I know you had one on the beach that was completely obliterated, right? That's right. We now have a little camper on our slab. And are you going to rebuild that? That was part of a quadruplex. And depending on what the own, other owners decide to do, uh, you know, I'm one of four owners, so I have to kind of go with the flow. I believe that we will end up selling it because they have indicated so far that they wish to sell. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I will lose the best view that uh, anyone could ask for. Oh, so, um, but that's okay. Yeah, there'll, there will be other there will be other properties and other opportunities. I I do know Mexico Beach. I stayed there in the RV park once about three years ago, and I spent every morning running along the beach. So I pro I didn't even I don't think we knew each other then. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you ran right past our little our our quadruplex and the other building. So yeah. yeah. And it was it was a beautiful place. I'm sure it will be again. So yeah. what what have you heard about how other owners and managers um are recovering? I mean you're going into a is there any yeah. chance that, that there is recovery into a new season? Well, it's kind of interesting. I think that the market's going to change a bit. For the next few years, we know that we're going to have a lot of contractors who will need places to stay. So some of the short-term rentals will turn into um, longer-term rentals, whether it be a month or two months. But the interesting thing about Mexico Beach is that uh, people really do love and, and feel very attached to Mexico Beach. And so we have many people who say, I don't care what the town looks like. I want to be in Mexico Beach as the the town recovers. And so that's a good thing for the the market. Many of the owners, there are few short-term owners who have properties available for rent, but they're except if they are in the condominium buildings because the condo buildings were just bigger and stronger and were able to sustain um, the winds and the, the flooding much better than individual houses. So we've seen rental companies, um, the, the one that has been in business for more than 60 years, um, it has gone out of business. It probably will, will come back together at some point, but there just aren't rentals for them to manage. Uh, many owners are, um, you know, most owners that I know are planning to rebuild but that's a multi-year process. You know, you just don't open the doors again. You have to go and get site plans and architectural renderings and find a contractor and do all those things. So my guess is two to five years before Mexico Beach will truly be hitting its stride. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about insurance then, because all these these owners, these managers would have had some form of insurance. Now, what have you learned about insurance going through this whole experience? Well, sadly, because Mexico Beach, many of the properties had been owned by families for, you know, since the 50s and 60s, the mortgages had long been paid off. A good percentage, I would say up to 30% of those homes were not insured. And that is just a terrible shame because it puts the family in a difficult situation where they own the dirt, the sand, but they they don't have the wherewithal to rebuild. So that has been um, terrible to see. And I hope that many of them will be able to gather the resources to rebuild. Others, what seems to happen is people who pay off their mortgages then think, oh, gosh, why should I have to pay this pesky insurance bill. And so many people do not buy the insurance. And I have a friend who owns three rental properties in Mexico Beach, and she went bare on insurance. And now about she's now out about $150,000 and struggling to get her properties back online. So I really encourage everyone to, you know, if don't consider going bare, Unless you have an extra four to five hundred thousand dollars sitting around that you don't mind putting out, you should have insurance. Now, the couple of things that I learned about insurance, my typical process for buying insurance, and I'm not proud to say this, but it's the facts. Uh, when I need, when I was buying a property, I called my insurance agent and I said, "Quick, I'm closing in two weeks. I need insurance." get me whatever I have, whatever I'm required to have. And so she would 
come back to me and give me a rate and, you know, I would complain and then I would pay the premium and off I'd go. And I, yeah, I knew that it had basic levels of coverage, but I really didn't understand all the different aspects of it. And the difference for me has been, for example, there's a provision for loss of use and loss of use. It's required to be a part of condominium insurance and it can be as low in one of my properties, as low as $4,000. And in another property, I had it for $15,000. Well, that's a big difference. And, you know, I, I wished I had the 15,000 on each of my properties because I'm sure that I, at the end of the day, I will have lost uh, $15,000. And the other thing is, is making sure that you really understand what your limits are, that you understand how to access the insurance. It took me several months to discover, oh, I can claim the assessment that my homeowners association is putting on me, the hurricane deductible. That is an insured event. And again, the, the amount you're insured for can vary substantially from a minimum in Florida of $2,000 to a maximum of, you know, six, eight and upwards. But you have to really be looking at your policy to understand that there's various categories, category A, B, C, D, E, and F, and each one of them covers something different. And um, you'll be dealing with a different adjuster for each one of them, you know, whether it's structure versus contents versus loss of use, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it would be, I will definitely in the future be paying close attention to my insurance policy and seeing exactly what it covers and what that means. And if anyone uh, would like advice on <laughs> looking at your policy, just call me. I'd be happy to talk to you because boy, it's been a, it's been a real eye opener. So what about, you know, a whole disaster management plan? Do you think if you'd had one in place, would it have made any difference well, in this case, because the entire city was without water, power, and sewer, it probably would not have made a difference because the bottom line is we had to notify all of our guests and close down everything. You know, we, we will be at about nine months before we start renting. We'll have two units that'll be rentable beginning in July, and then we'll have another four that should be up by the end of the year. So... You know, in that case, if it had been a minor event, I think it would have helped tremendously. But in this case, it was just utter devastation. So there wasn't most people, most of our guests were watching the news along with us. So they knew it was uh, mm -hmm. going to be bad. I know at the time of the hurricane and the, in the aftermath, the few weeks after, I know a lot of there were a lot of donations happening. People were donating to the recovery efforts uh, during that hardest time, have those donations continued to come in? And and what's needed now? Is there any way if somebody wanted to help now, is uh, what what's most important? Where can money be directed the best? Well, thank you for asking that, Heather. Um, you know, Mexico Beach was a is a very small community. We only had one true not for profit that operates in Mexico Beach, and it's called the Mexico Beach Artificial Reef Association. So immediately after the storm, as you know, I, I was in the public information role and we were getting a lot of requests. So we asked, we call it Mabara and Barra, the Mexico Beach Artificial Reef Association, if they would act as the city's 501c3 organization so that donations could be directed there. And we would be able to use that money as the city 
to help with the federal match because while FEMA comes in and, and other agencies come in and assist the communities, they don't pay the full amount um, needed. They require a local match. And so 10% of millions and millions and millions of dollars is a lot of money. And so we are asking people to make donations to Embara, uh, and you just you can simply um, note on there that you want it for the city of Mexico Beach, and you can see that you can you can choose. I want to help with dune walkovers. I want to help with the canal. I want to help with the park, et cetera, et cetera. So these we we felt like these were amenities that will be enjoyed by the public and by children and families for many years to come. And by donating to Embara, you are freeing up for for every $10 that's donated, the city can make $100 worth of improvements. So if you donated $100, it becomes $1,000. So we're, we're doing a lot of fundraising around that. They, we have been plagued by inaction by uh, the federal government who, you know, Congress just can't seem to agree on anything right now, and they have still not agreed on the federal funding for disaster recovery. So while we've been getting some money, we need Congress to take action to free up the dollars needed for a, a true recovery. And now that it's been upgraded to a Cat 5, we're all hopeful that this is clear, that uh, this is a, a significant event in America's history. We are the fourth strongest storm to ever hit the United States was Hurricane Michael. And I'm sad to say that there are some some communities near us, not in Mexico Beach, but near us, where people are literally still living in tents. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know at the time I spent down there, but, you know, it's south of I-10, right? And quite a long way. I seem to remember, you know, you drove an hour south Correct. to get to Mexico Beach. So people don't see that area in between I-10 and coming down towards the coast. Um, right. And there are so many little communities. Yeah. There's a lot of small communities that are truly, truly suffering. And, and with the loss of the timber industry, it's, it's really bad. So there's, a, there's an organization as well, and I hope you'll put this um, maybe in your show notes, but it's called Rebuild 850. And that is a statewide initiative, a volunteer organization that is trying to raise um, much bigger dollars for the entire region. And I think that that would be that would be a wonderful place for people to direct donations if they felt able to do that. So rebuild eight five zero. Yeah, um, I will. I will put that in the show notes. So if anybody out there listening, Mexico Beach is a beautiful place. You know, I pers- have personal. Uh, experiences of it but you know it could happen to any small place it could happen to your place it could happen to if you're around the coast of Florida and Carolinas we're coming into hurricane season again so think about how you'd feel if it happened to you and and if you have something to spare then I think Mexico Beach and Barra and Rebuild 850 would be very well very, very happy to receive your donation so April with all this going on in Mexico Beach and all the time that you've spent down there, we know that you haven't been able to spend the time on Avroa as much as you would have liked. So can we just backtrack a bit and talk about what Avroa is? Because I know that you are now very eager to get back into looking at the association and building it and making it into just a great place for people to, to be a part of 
and to help create this common voice that we were talking about way back last year. Uh, we launched Evroa just about a year ago, uh, relaunched it um, into its, its current form with a board of directors and some very specific initiatives we were working on. Um, as, as you know, uh, the real pillars for Evroa, for the, that's the Association of Vacation Rental Operators and Affiliates, the real purpose for the organization is all around advocacy, education, certification, and leadership development. So those are the things that are uh, really, we felt, were the driving force behind creating the organization in its current form. And we've spent the first year kind of getting our feet under us. We have, are working right now on a certification program where vacation rental owners and managers will be able to get a certification stamp that will be on their uh, website and on their other materials. We previously had a smaller version of this, uh, which was very labor intensive to try to manage. And so we, will, we are automating that process so that it has all of the checks and balances needed, but it will be um, much easier to administer because the other process was quite time consuming. Um, and we, are, we, are, we have a very robust Facebook page. So we are posting a lot of news and information and using that as we begin to revamp our website. Um, the website now has uh, references to the old listing site, which does not exist anymore. It is not supported, but we are we're really focusing on that certification and the education. And 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 thank you, Heather, for your leadership on our education committee as our chair. Because of you and and the the wonderful resources that we have had available. Last year, I believe we did seven educational webinars. They went extremely well. We got great feedback from the members. Um, we're going to be changing that up a little bit this year, but we will still be offering educational programs like this and hoping to build long-term into a, a real range of ways you can be educated, things you can learn, different sectors that you can engage in. But Heather is, is leading that effort, and I feel good about the work we've been able to accomplish. If you're an Avroa member, you can always access the past webinars, um, and they range from marketing, taxes and finance, general tips on how to become the best vacation rental owner you can be, etc., on the website in the members-only area. And if anyone has trouble accessing their uh, site or if they've got their password, please let me know, and I'd be glad to get that for you um, so that you can have access to those resources. So I just, um, I just wanted to step back a little bit because you mentioned the, the, the listing site, now the, the listing part of Avroa. So the old Avroa was mostly driven by by listings, and I think when we did that changeover and it became less, well, no no more of a listing site and moved to a more general supportive association. I think some people were misunderstanding what the new Avroa was all about. How can we take it forward without this listing element? Yeah, so I think the the issue is do vacation rental owners and managers need a unified voice to speak up for them in this industry? That's really the fundamental question. And if the answer to that is yes, then we need an association like Evroa. If we want to be able to stand up to the, the OTAs and to 
um, local governments. Uh, we just had a had a bill we were we were closely monitoring and supporting in Florida that would have taken some of the steam out of the local government efforts to overregulate vacation rentals. Um, that bill did not pass, but we were a part of the group trying to help support it. And I believe that we'll see that bill again next year. That's the kind of thing where individuals can't have a big impact, but together, united with one voice, we can. So, you know, as we moved from a listing site, which I think that's a very competitive landscape, right? There's a lot of different listing sites. As we move from that model to one of advocacy, education, and, you know, I think of it as sort of professionalism of our industry, so that, that the single owner, they only have one property, but they want to have it the, the best property it can be, Avroa is a good place for them. If you have multiple properties and you want to learn how to run your business better and you want to be a, a voice either in your community at the state level or nationally, Avroa is the place for you. Um, if you want to meet other owners and create shared values and shared information, Avroa is a place for you. So um, we are working hard. We we did find uh, we had a number of meetups last year that were very successful and were great. It was a wonderful chance to meet people all over the country. And we're still trying to figure this out. So if you have ideas or suggestions on, on what Avroa can do, um, knowing we are a small, fervent group of leaders, um, we want your involvement. We want you to participate. We need your ideas and suggestions. Please join us. I, th I think that's so important. It's less just letting people know that, that as, as part of this, this organization, they become a true part of it. It's not just a matter of paying a, a registration fee or a membership fee. It's everybody's opinion and suggestions count. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't have all the answers today, but we do know that we don't want, our members do not want to be under the sole control of, VR, of Verbo or Airbnb <laughs> or TripAdvisor, but that they want to grow and um, have control of their destiny and have a voice in what gets said about vacation rental ownership. Um, the industry's changing all the time. It's what makes it so exciting to be a vacation rental owner. It's an extremely dynamic environment. And hopefully, working together, we can help our members become as successful as possible. So we, we welcome leaders, we welcome members, we welcome people who want to learn to be better and more financially successful. Well, you're going to be hearing more about Avroa as the uh, as the weeks go on because the committee's going to be meeting very soon. We're going to start making more plans. And certainly as far as, you know, as far as I'm concerned from from education, we're going to begin to move forward to really rolling forward with what we learned from doing the webinars last year, which as, as you said at um, April were were really well received. And we're going to look look at how we can ramp that up and really deliver the education that people want. And I know that Maria Recruit is working tirelessly on the advocacy side of, of this as well. So if you are not a, a member of Avroa yet, could you just talk about the, you know, what membership is April and what they would expect to to pay for their annual fee? 
Sure. So membership in Avroa is $169. We tried to price it so that it was affordable for even the very smallest owners. Um, you do have the opportunity to join the Founders Circle group. And those that is $500 a year with a three-year commitment, so a total of $1,500. But that, that gives you additional, really, stature and just acknowledgement that you are one of the people who are getting keeping Avroa moving forward on behalf of all members and owners. So for that, you have full access to everything in our library. Um, you will be alerted when we're having special events. We get many different offers and discounts from vacation rental, just virtually every vacation rental summit that is held in the industry, you will receive a discount to participate in that. We also are looking at discounts related to books and educational programs, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we are hoping to build those, those additional benefits, but I think the key is that you become a part of the future of vacation rental owners ownership and management. So to join Avroa, they simply go to the website and sign up? Correct. Yes, you can you can sign up online. It's www.avroa.org. We welcome that. <laughs> and I will put that in the show notes as well. So, uh, so April, that, that's fantastic. It would be great to see a new tranche of members coming on board as we move forward with, with all the programs that, uh, that, that we have planned. And I'm excited yes. about it. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for your leadership on, on the education front and just generally being a, a, a strong supporter, Heather. It, it, it means a lot to me. And I'll tell you, the last six months have been really crazy for me. But and I have not been able to devote as much time to Evroa as I had previously been doing. But I'm back on it, and we I'm hoping that we'll have a new website within the next 60 days, and I'm excited about that. Oh, that will be great! And yes, onwards and upwards, as they say. Absolutely. So April, it's been it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you and our, our hearts, our collective hearts, went out to you and every owner and manager in Mexico Beach last October. And it's so good to hear that recovery is ongoing and Mexico Beach will be back to its, well, what, what do you see for it in the next five years? Is it going to to remain that beautiful little part of Florida with everything traditional or do you, do you see it something different? Well, you know, one of the best things about Mexico Beach is that we had in place a height limitation so that you couldn't build any higher than four stories. And that really protects against the large, the kind of overwhelming development that many communities face. And after the hurricane, we had the opportunity to say, what do we want to be? What is Mexico Beach going to be in the future? Do we want to enable that large scale development so we can really grow as a community? Or do we want to hold to the Mexico Beach that's always been? And I'm very happy to say that we held to um, our traditional vision of Mexico Beach. And so we are not as of great interest to these large developers who want to come in and really change the face of Mexico Beach. There will be changes, obviously. Everything will be new <laughs> or much will be new. The restaurants will be new. The, the grocery store will be new. The gas stations will be new. The homes will be new. Everything will be repainted and, you know, the fixtures will be new. The furniture will be new. But the heart of Mexico Beach will remain the same, which is 
a small little piece of paradise that uh, reminds you of what you wanted in a beach town when you were a kid, you know, a small, safe place for you to, to travel with your family um, where there weren't chain restaurants and there weren't skyscraper buildings and you couldn't, tr- you couldn't trust the, the local area. So we intend to protect our vision of Mexico Beach and we just invite people who share that vision to, to come on down and enjoy a wonderful time. And we'll be up in July and we expect to be welcoming guests from there on out. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, you know, I wish you every good fortune with the continuing recovery operation there. So also for, for Avroa, onwards and upwards. So, uh, so April, it's been absolutely great to, uh, to have you here. I'm hoping we'll, we will get together later this year. I'm hoping to be around the Tallahassee area in, um, in October. And hopefully we, we can sit down and have a longer chat then. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Heather. Well, thank you, April, for giving me the time because I know you are hugely busy, not only with Avroa, with the recovery at Mexico Beach, but also your company, Sultan Mitchell, which is a PR company. And yeah, very busy, busy lady. So thank you for that. And, you know, it's, it's, a very, it's very sobering, isn't it? When you look at this and you think it could happen to any one of us, a really catastrophic event that takes out our complete livelihood. So, you know, that was a good time to really, as, uh, as April said, have a look at your insurance. Pay attention to every clause, every detail in it, and make sure that you're adequately covered because it's just so important. Okay, so you'll be hearing more about some Avroa initiatives over the next, uh, over the next couple of months. I'm very excited to be a part of that. And I'll be bringing you updates as the new website goes live and as other initiatives come into being. So uh, stay tuned, as they say. Well, that's it for another week. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you. And don't forget to go to the show notes if you've got any comment. And of course, if you want to make any donation to Mabara, M-B-A-R-A, or Rebuild 850, both of which are amazing organizations collecting funds on behalf of Mexico Beach and the surrounding area. So for now, thank you for listening as ever, and I will be delighted to be back with you again very soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. 